We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my beautiful friend. I feel so blessed that you're part of the energy that is Empower Radio. And especially grateful that you're here with me for a little while for this very special episode of Journey to Center. Do you know you are in possession of a precious and priceless gift, your brain? You can do extraordinary things when you harness the power of your thoughts and your mind. You have an even more powerful opportunity to create positive experiences in your life and affect others in a miraculous way when you open your heart and use it in service to your mind. Here to share with us some personal stories of harnessing the power of his brain and heart is someone I am very, very excited to talk to. We are so privileged to be with Dr. James Doty. James grew up poor with an alcoholic father and a chronically depressed mother. For James, life seemed like a dead end until at 12 years old, he wandered into a magic shop and met a woman named Ruth who would change his life forever. Ruth generously taught James a series of exercises to ease his suffering and manifest his greatest desires. James put these practices to work and against all odds became a prominent neurosurgeon and manifested more wealth than he ever dreamed possible. However, he neglected to implement Ruth's most important teaching of all, to live with an open heart. This led to dire consequences. Fortunately, James learned to apply this very important life lesson before it was too late, and now supports others in doing the same. Today, Dr. James Doty is a professor in the Department of Neurosurgery at Stanford University and the director of the Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education. He serves on a number of nonprofits, including the Charter for Compassion International for the Dalai Lama Foundation. We are here to learn more about some of Dr. Doty's stories, hear some of his powerful manifesting techniques, how to most effectively open our hearts, use the magic of love in our lives, and be a positive influence in the world. So, Dr. Doty, thank you so much for saying yes to this conversation. No, it's uh, wonderful to be with you, Tammy, and I love the work that you do, and it's really a privilege. So, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm just thrilled beyond words. I learned about you through William Paul Young. He mentioned your book and your works on a recent show. So, I immediately ordered the book, devoured it, loved it, got a hold of you, and I'm so happy you said yes. I think you have so much wisdom and love to share, and so I'm thrilled to share you with our audience and listeners here at Empower Radio. Well, so I'd, I'd like to start with a little bit of your backstory. Um, I know you grew up in a really challenging environment, and, and thanks to Ruth and her teachings, you were able to transform your brain and the trajectory of your life. So I'd like to hear in your words a little bit about your backstory. Well, um, and I certainly don't want to imply that I have the worst backstory ever because I certainly do not. But that being said, I grew up in an environment with a father who was an alcoholic and uh, a mother who had had a stroke and was uh, chronically depressed, who had attempted suicide uh, multiple times. Um, we were on public assistance. Neither of my parents went to college. I had an 
older stepsister and uh, a brother who was a year and a half older. And uh, we had been evicted from homes at various times. And certainly, I would say that it's not the typical environment where individuals uh, typically would uh, demonstrate, quote unquote, success in their lives. Uh, we know now there's something called adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, and that the culmination of those, uh, such as I described, uh, essentially can predict uh, whether uh, you will have um, success or failure in life. And frankly, for the vast, vast majority of people from such an environment, they do not have success. They have challenges their whole lives. Many of them drop out of school, end up in jail, uh, because without um, sort of boundaries, without mentors, without uh, people who are there for you, uh, it's extraordinarily challenging, and few have the resources, especially as a child, to overcome that environment. Yes. Yeah, you didn't have that solid foundation to build this life of your dreams upon. No, that's exactly right. And certainly there are children who, if you have a stable home life and loving parents, uh, even in poverty, you can uh, overcome those challenges. It's that stability and that love uh, that really are the keys, but if your environment really is shifting sand all the time, what happens is it engages your threat response. In fact, it's a form of post-traumatic stress disorder. You never know what's going to happen next, so all your uh, threat responses are engaged. You're anxious, you're fearful, you have difficulty with sleep, you never know what's going to happen next, and uh, that on a chronic level uh, not only uh, results in your inability to really focus, but your ability to attend and ultimately to succeed. Mm. And and you are a neurosurgeon. Doesn't it also kind of um, affect our brain? Our subconscious no, mind and our, mind, our brain. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. In fact, uh, in my book, uh, Into the Magic Shop, which you mentioned, um, the other part of the title is A Neurosurgeon's Quest to Discover the Mysteries of the Brain and the Secrets of the Heart. And the reason it's included in the title is because we have a brain-heart connection, if you will, and it's very powerful. And uh, this connection uh, through what's called the vagus nerve not only is uh, connected to the heart, but to other organs in your body. It's a two-way street. And... Uh, when we have uh, engagement uh, of our sympathetic nervous system, which is part of the vagus nerve and encompasses the threat response, if you will, or the flight or fight response, it's wonderful if you're on the savanna in Africa uh, 200,000 years ago, but in a modern environment, uh, having your sympathetic nervous system chronically engaged has many deleterious effects. It has um, an effect on your immune system. It has an effect on your cardiac function. It has an effect on your uh, peripheral vascular system, all the organs in your body, and ultimately it affects your longevity. Mm -hmm. The quality of our life and uh, the, the length of our life. Absolutely. 
So I'd really like to get into some of the things that Ruth taught you that supported you in basically rewiring your brain, really um, accessing um, the tools to, to create the success and the empowered life that you ended up manifesting. Can we, can we get into that? No, absolutely. Uh, as I mentioned, um, and I describe what Ruth taught me in the context of four tricks, if you will. And in regard to the first, what many of us don't appreciate, and what I earlier alluded to, is that when you are stressed and anxious, uh, this results in stimulation of your threat response or your sympathetic nervous system, which is part of the uh, nerves from your brain to your heart and other organs in your body, uh, which is made up, uh, uh, makes up the vagus nerve. And uh, when you have this response engaged, as I mentioned, it's hard to concentrate, it's hard to focus, your muscles are tense, uh, and you're on alert all the time. And uh, in that type of a situation, it's hard to be present, it's hard to attend, it's hard to focus. And while uh, the interaction I had with Ruth was at the age of 12, even then, and she picked up on this immediately, and let me tell you about Ruth, she... Um, was a the mother of the owner of a magic shop, which I just happened to have walked into, and her son wasn't there, uh, but her and I uh, engaged in a dialogue. And after several minutes, she said to me, uh, and she had also asked some fairly penetrating questions about my life and background. She was very intuitive. And she said to me, you know, I'm here for another six weeks. If you show up every day, I think I could teach you something that could change your life. I wish I had some insights as a 12-year-old, but I didn't. Uh, frankly, the reason I showed up every day was because I had nothing else to do, and she gave me chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> That's a good reason. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whatever it takes. But, uh, <laughs> what manifested from that initial dialogue or conversation was that I would meet with her every day for a few hours a day in the back room of this magic shop, and the first lesson she taught me was that I was not relaxed, that I had difficulty focusing because I never knew what was going to happen. So I'm always wondering what's going to happen next. And over a course of several uh, interactions and meetings where she would have me sit still, I realized I had a hard time sitting still. I realized I even had a hard time paying attention because I was also listening for other things. And over the course of this period, though, she, with intention, had me uh, relax my muscles of my body from my feet to my top of my head, and also to slowly breathe in and slowly exhale. And the process of that allowed me to really react, relax and also to attend and be present. And you cannot take on new information or process information when the threat response is engaged because it's a rapid response to threat. You're trying to save your life versus when your parasympathetic nervous system is engaged, which many call the rest and digest system. And in this mode, you're able to recall memories, prior experiences, prior events, which allows you to make much more thoughtful, discerning 
decisions and more creative decisions. And so the first thing she taught me was to relax the body, if you will. And when I learned how to do that, I could sit without fidgeting. I could sit without thinking about all of these other things. And it was magical. And uh, after that experience, the next thing that she taught me was this concept of taming the mind, if you will. And what I realized was that I had an ongoing dialogue in my head, which frankly was a negative dialogue. It was one that would beat me up. It was one that would say I wasn't good enough, wasn't smart enough, didn't deserve to be loved, didn't deserve uh, to have good things happen to me because I wasn't worthy. And I thought that that dialogue was me. And what she made me understand was first that everyone has a dialogue. And for many people, that dialogue actually is negative. And um, it doesn't represent you at all. What it does is it represents what happens because our, our brains are wired a certain way. We respond to negative things because negative things oftentimes are dangerous. And you'll notice that's why news is always negative because it gets our attention. And so when we hear people make negative statements, when we hear people, uh, if you will, imply that we're not good enough or smart enough, we process that and we repeat this. And this becomes, for many people, a ongoing uh, dialogue in their head. And as a result, as an example, if you say, I can't do something, by definition, you cannot. And what she taught me was the existence of this. And then the next thing she taught me was not to have a physiologic response to that negative dialogue. But the most important thing she taught me was that I could change the dialogue. And this is, if you will, this concept of self-compassion. The first two parts of what I described to you are common techniques that are used in the context of learning mindfulness. Uh, relaxing or doing a body survey, breathing, focusing, uh, and then not having a response uh, or just letting thoughts flow by without having a physiologic response to them. But the, really the third part of this, which is really the key, is this idea of being self-compassion, accepting of yourself, and realizing that that dialogue does not represent you at all, and it is within your power to change the dialogue to one of self-affirmation, kindness, love, and uh, understanding that you deserve good things happening to you and that uh, you are perfect as you are and that you're a human being and that all human beings make mistakes and that we're on a journey. And that's the nature of our reality. And you're okay. And um, then... Uh, she also made me realize that what prevents many people from actually realizing that other people are suffering, oftentimes worse than they are, is because they're so focused on their own situation or their own suffering. And when I learned to be kind to myself, it then allowed me to not be as self-focused 
and then to look out and see that everyone is suffering in different ways. And often the interaction that they have with us are not a manifestation of something about us, but issues that are going on in their own lives. So it allowed me to be much more gentle in my interactions. And then uh, the last thing she taught me was that intention is important and that through repetition and visualization that we can manifest our intentions. And I'm sure you and your listeners are aware that professional athletes or high-level athletes often use a visualization technique where they uh, think about every interaction they're going to have in the context of an athletic event and repeat it over and over and over. And what that does is it essentially creates muscle memory. And she taught me and I learned that, in fact, this idea of visualization and repetition of what you desire, what you wish to manifest, what you're intent on achieving, uh, you do the same thing. And it's very powerful because science has shown us that this does, in fact, create new neural pathways or strengthen old ones. And I at first thought uh, when she taught me this that this meant that I would go from point A to point B and it would be the shortest path. What I ultimately learned was that this type of a technique or these techniques result in what would happen more likely than not if you implemented them, but it doesn't guarantee it's going to be a straight line. And in fact, the reality is oftentimes there's hills and valleys and detours and stops, but ultimately by practicing these techniques, you are more likely than not to achieve uh, what you've set out as a goal. And it was a combination of these plus one other really, really important lesson that really changed the trajectory of my life and allowed me to be be who I am today. And that last lesson was that oftentimes in our lives, we experience things or events, and then we put a name on them. And that name can imply good or bad. And it's the naming that oftentimes is not helpful for us. As an example, uh, if some event occurs, let's say you don't obtain what you want or you had a goal and it didn't manifest, you start self-reflecting that somehow it had to do with you or you put the blame on someone else. And what I learned was that events are simply events and how we respond to them actually oftentimes uh, results in how others respond to us. So if you feel the world is against you, if you feel that uh, there's some sort of a conspiracy or that uh, certain things are being maneuvered so that you're not going to achieve what you want, then you're always going to have a sense of distrust. And uh, looking for proof of that. You're always scanning the horizon looking for the proof that I'm not worthy or I'm not capable. Exactly. But we we can change the way we perceive it. Exactly. So what happened is after that six-week period of time with Ruth, 
Uh, my personal circumstance had not changed one iota, but everything did change. And the reason it changed is because I changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I changed how I saw the world, when I changed how I reacted to events, the world changed how it reacted to me. Yes. I have a quote from your book here that I love so much. When our brains change, we change. This is proven by science. But an even greater truth is that when our heart changes, everything changes. And that changes not only in how we see the world, but how the world sees us and how the world responds to us. And that's exactly right. And, uh, um, and so that fundamental understanding uh, resulted in the manifestation of events that allowed me to do everything that I have done. Yes. So you were very successful, but you'd missed that one component for a while about living with an open heart or opening your heart. And you became very successful in your chosen profession against all odds. It's very, again, minimal percentage that's able to do what you have done. And you did acquire um, great wealth, but there was still something missing. Is that accurate? No, that's absolutely accurate. And remember, when I learned these lessons as a 12-year-old, I heard in part what I wanted to hear, or at least the parts I wanted to hear. Ah, yes. And when you grow up in poverty, and when you grow up with the feeling of being deprived or not having enough, or feeling that you have no control on the events that are happening around you, uh, you want to be in control. And from the perspective of a poor child, being in control means having money and wealth uh, which gives you power, which then gives you control. And this, of course, is a very naive perception. But as a 12-year-old, it seems completely logical. And, well, and also uh, what you say is true. One of humanity's most enduring, enduring myths is that wealth will bring happiness and money is the solution to any problem. I think a lot of people, not just 12-year-olds, not just children, believe that. No, I think you're right. I I think, and in fact, this is the basis of, if you will, the prosperity gospel, is that somehow getting all of these things, uh, which frankly are very self-focused, will result in you being happy. And what I found uh, during my own journey was that here I am, I am highly successful uh, as a professional. I was also a very successful entrepreneur. I was uh, divorced by this time. I was living in a penthouse in San Francisco. I had sports cars. I uh, was dating very attractive uh, women. Everyone said how great I was. Uh, And I would wake up every day more miserable uh, than, frankly, I had been in my entire life. And uh, it only took, or it took a uh, complete loss of everything for me to finally stop and reflect on that trajectory and realize that what I had not focused on and what I did not hear clearly was the importance of having an open heart. 
And it was only after being in that situation where I lost everything. And uh, as I speak about in my book, over a six-week period of time, I lost tens and tens of millions of dollars, had to sell everything, essentially, was effectively bankrupt, and uh, then sat and went through everything in my life and was in a position where um, I had made some obligations to charity and I had one asset left, which was stock in a company that had yet to go public. And even though I had nothing at that point, I elected to attempt to live up to the obligations I had made to these various charities and I signed away all the, the stock that I owned, and ultimately that company, of which I had been the CEO, went public for $1.3 billion, and I ended up giving tens and tens of millions of dollars away when I was bankrupt. Yeah, nothing. Well, exactly. so to me, this speaks of immense integrity and certainly changed, again, the trajectory of your life. And Dr. Doty, we're at the end of our 26-minute segment, and I'm so grateful. I think you said yes to a second segment so we can get into this quality of compassion and how that missing piece of the puzzle really expanded your horizon and brought you fulfillment. So I have you for another show, right? You have me for another show, and uh, we'll talk about uh, <laughs> what happened This piece of the back. puzzle that's so important. Yes, yeah, so to my listeners, please tune back in for the next show because we're going to get into the heart of this subject where um, everything shifted. And I can so relate to your story. My story is so similar in so many ways. And my listeners know that story. So we're just going to focus on this really beautiful, exquisite transformation of you and your, your soul journey. So to my listeners, please hang on. We're so blessed to have you as part of this conversation. And again, you want to pick up this book, Into the Magic Shop, A Neurosurgeon's Quest to Discover the Mysteries of the Brain and the Secrets of the Heart with Dr. James Doty. So, Dr. Doty, thank you for this magical um, series, this magical event. And I look forward to our next magical, miraculous transformation. And as do I. Take care, Tim. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Doty. Thank you to my listeners. Come hang out with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You're in my heart and prayers. God bless you. Be a part of this conversation. Bye for now. Bye for now.